We are back. Yes, welcome into a Monday night edition and our first of the 2020 season. Texans All Access. John Harris alongside Mark Vandermeer. Mark, we are back. How's it feel? We're back, and guess what, Johnny? It's season nine of Texans oh. Radio as we know it, which wow. debuted March 6, 2012. That was episode one, season one. Yep. And I know it wasn't the first season of Texans history, but you know the history that Entercom Radio, Sports Radio 610, had a 10-year deal to start this thing out, and then we took some of the shows in-house, and we changed yep. it around, and I came in-house, I was traded, I was part of a trade. And That's kind we, of a weird trade, though, when you think about it, though, because it, it would. I'm trying to figure out how that trade would work. It was almost like you were traded... From because they're affiliate organizations, yeah. but not the same. So well, it was interesting. Unique uh, trade. It was a unique trade. I was actually in the contract as they were drawing it up, but then they thought it's weird to put a name in the contract. <laughs> like Mark Vandermeer shall now work for the Houston Texans instead of, and it was just a weird deal. They were like, "Wait a minute, we can't just do this because they really technically could not do that. I right. mean, legally, right? Uh, so they said the announcer or whatever, and you know, luckily that was me. So anyway, it's season nine and. And here we are starting another campaign, if you will, of off-season shows. And it's so exciting because, look, I love talking NFL football. I know you do all season long, no matter yep. what. And I know it didn't end well. It was like a great movie that ended very poorly. Uh, but uh, like you saw in the Super Bowl, it ends poorly for 31 other teams. And, look, I would have rather had that ending than the one we had. But, hey, you saddle up and try again and see what you can do next year. Especially down in Miami where you have some history. That, that, been, was, that, that was that was one nice. of the side. That was one of the little side things I thought that about. Was, nice. was like, nice. had we been in Miami, mm. Mm. you you <laughs> would have you the little ins and outs you would have known about. You, I, I would have had. I was such looking forward a good to that. Time. And you know, it's funny because when we had Super Bowl Fifty One here in Houston, we did live at Fifty One down at uh, Discovery Green, and we oh, had yeah. the great shows. And oh everything, my god, that and was a blast! Springer and all the guests we had on. Uh, all the celebs, DeAndre Hopkins, everybody who was coming through Texans' house down yep. there. And you see the people walking in the background. And I thought, we would have set up somewhere with the water in the background and either South Beach or the Intercoastal with the marina stuff. And it would have been so cool to be there. But, uh, you know, that's just from that standpoint. Yeah, the team playing there would have been pretty cool as well. Yeah, But it didn't happen. And I just thought it was a, a really interesting game. Another very interesting Super Bowl to dissect, pick apart, whatever. Yeah, let's dive into that because we've got plenty from this weekend in particular to dive into. There's plenty of draft coverage. I've talked about the Senior Bowl and a lot of different things, and we'll talk about that. Uh, throughout the weeks leading up to the Combine, uh, there was news coming out of this building a few weeks ago. Uh, a few, a few weeks ago? Last week. Last I guess it was week. last week. Yeah. Uh, that came out of this building. I don't know that you and I have had an opportunity to talk about so. Uh, let's talk with the let's talk about the most current one, and that being thirty-one to twenty, mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs after fifty years get a Super Bowl championship. I heard uh, Sean and Seth talking about it this morning, and he it, it's funny because I think both both of them encapsulated sort of the way that I feel about the Chiefs. I was very happy for Andy Reid. Yep, I feel like Andy is universally liked throughout the league, and it was funny because last night after the celebration. And this is a little inside baseball thing. But when we go to the Combine, there's always a place that we go to at the Combine to go eat at night. Oh, yeah. There's all, we always make one trip to our favorite place. And when we walk in, they've got our menus with our logo on it and our names on it. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's really nice. It's, it's a nice treated, touch. It's a nice touch. Well, at the front of that uh, place that we go to, there's a table that sits right up against the windows in the corner 
And I've seen this guy there for a few years, and I didn't really know who he was. And then last year, we saw him, and there were about five or six head coaches at the table. Zach Taylor from the Bengals was there. Former NFL coach John Fox. Doug Peterson was there. Frank Reich was there. And Andy Reid was there. Mm. And then you see this guy that sort of looks like Tom Penders a little bit. And I know it's not Tom Penders, but that's who we see. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? Well, reading, I think it was Peter King's article a, a few days after the combine, that's Andy Reid's agent, whose name escapes me. But he rents, in air quotes, that table every combine for the entire combine. And just has an and open just house. has it. Yeah. It's just basically an open house yeah. for players to come in, for coaches to come in, administrators, you know, whatever, front office staff. They just circle, they just cycle in, and he's got that table the entire time. And I don't even want to know what that costs him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it costs him. I don't know. I'd like to know the benefit side of it, like financially. But when we sat down, we, we're not that far from it. And it was just all these head coaches, and it was so fascinating to watch. And that's kind of the fun part of the combine. But I saw him last night trying to you know, grab Andy Reid, and I thought, man, I, you know, you win a Super Bowl and everybody's tugging at you and, hey, sure. give me a hug. And, but I just feel like there were millions of people that were wanting to do that for Andy Reid, including the people of Philadelphia. And he was asked about that after the game. Well, listen, it's humbling. I had 14 great years in, in uh, Philadelphia, and Jeff Lurie and I are still our friends, and, and that's important. So, I mean, the things he did for my family, myself, I always be grateful to him. So, um, and then the, the people of Philadelphia, they're tremendous. Uh, it's a great city. Love coaching there. Well, 21 years as a head coach, this is only his second Super Bowl, and he's able to win it. Yeah. That was awesome. And his playoff record with the Chiefs coming into this year was 2-5 and five with the Chiefs. 2-5 and five yeah. in the postseason with the Chiefs until this season, and he breaks through and wins the Super Bowl. That's how hard it is. I wrote about this last week, how monumentally difficult it is. Because look at the – you look at some Hall of Fame coaches, Joe Gibbs, right? His second Super Bowl, they lose to the Raiders by 29 points. Yeah. Blow out to the Raiders, right? Yeah. Lester Hayes, Marcus Haynes, yep, yep. all those guys. And it takes him four years to get back, right. and he wins it. But he lost by 29, and it took right. him four years to get back. And then he wins his third one four years after that. Right. It took him four more years to get back to the big game. It's so hard to get there. Reed, as successful as he's been, he's sixth on the all-time wins list. Yeah. That's crazy. In this league's history, he's sixth. And he finally gets one. So I am happy. And they were going over. I saw the graphics and Larry Brown, how long it took him. And, yeah. you know, he's regarded as he might be. He's basketball coach Larry Brown. Right, right. Yeah. He's one of the greatest uh, NBA coaches ever, but it took him that long to win a title. You know, and, and Reed was comparing with these guys who took a long time in their respective sports. There was some somebody from the NHL, and I apologize for not remembering the name, and one other. But the point is this. He deserves it. And didn't you feel like they did to the Titans and to the 49ers what they did to the Texans in a different way, right? The Texans yeah. had the bigger lead early. Yeah. But there you were in the fourth quarter thinking, I think the Niners pretty much have this as long as they can. No, they don't. Right. No, they don't have this. And the Chiefs have 10 points on the scoreboard with seven and change left. And you look up, and then they got 31 on the scoreboard. And that's the Kansas City yep. Chiefs. They go on tremendous runs. They're like the Golden State Warriors of basketball, of uh, football. Sometimes they just erupt like they did in the fourth quarter last night. I had a buddy of mine, who shall remain nameless, but I had a buddy of mine who – with all the different prop bets that were out there, mm-hmm. one of the prop bets that was out there was no team 
will score three times in a row. And it mm-hmm. feels like in a game like this with the 49ers and Chiefs set, it would be a little right. bit you know, back and forth. But both teams scored three times, three in, a times in a row. The problem is for the 49ers, it was 13 points because it was a field goal, touchdown, field goal. And for the Chiefs, it was touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. But both teams yeah. ended up doing it. And I felt like as I'm watching Mahomes in the third quarter, I'm I almost texted you at some point in the third quarter. And I'm like, why is this Mahomes showing up? And I knew yeah. the answer. The 49ers pass rush I thought was pretty darn good from all all levels. They but were forcing him outside. Nick Bosa was unbelievable. Lots of pressure. He was unbelievable. Lots of well, Johnny, didn't you feel like he was doing Mahomes a little bit of Deshaun Watsoning, meaning his legs got him going yeah. with the yard? Yeah, right? I think sometimes so. Watson in, in the Buffalo game it happened like this. You know, he makes some big big plays with his legs, right. and that gets everybody going. Yeah. Everybody juiced up, and all of a sudden the passing game started to click. And I felt that way with Mahomes because it was not clicking through the air for much of the game, and then made some plays with his legs, and then third and 15 he hits Hill, and that changed everything, obviously. But that's the Chiefs, man. They are never dead. They're one of those teams, never dead until right. you can just shovel the dirt on them, and they couldn't do it last night. Niners couldn't close it out. You know, the, the throw when I felt like, Maybe the Niners have this. Was the one he threw behind Tyreek on the slant that yes. Tyreek got a hand on, and then thirty uh, Traverius Moore, Traverius Moore intercepted. And I thought that's three points up on the board at a minimum. Butker's right. making that in his sleep. That's three points that he just basically threw away by, by making a throw that he's made a thousand times to Tyreek Hill on a slant route. That's cash money. Right. And he throws it behind him. And you needed that and field really, goal to get yeah. to a one-score game. Right. And I remember I was like, oh, man, maybe. maybe That was when I thought, maybe this doesn't happen. How about how the narratives would have changed? If the, oh. if the 49ers can close that game out, Mahomes on the really big stage, look, he's awesome. Right. But on the really right. big stage, he didn't show up. You know, maybe he's going to be Dan Marino, right. whatever. And then everything flips. Now it's, hey, Garoppolo, what do you right. got for me? Kyle Shanahan can't hold a lead oh as a coach. Gosh, oh, we're going we're gonna to have that narrative is going to be on for years until he's able to prove it. Here's Kyle after the game talking about those drives and the offensive mindset they had at that time. Just didn't get it done when we got the ball. I mean, um, had it came up short on just a couple plays. That one tip um, really got us when I thought we had a chance. Um, they converted, a, I want to say, a big third and 15. Um, they got a huge PI call that got them a big ex- explosive. Um, and then when we had to answer, we didn't. You know, we had our chance a little bit there at the end, and um, they made some good plays, and we just missed them. In the end, it came down at third and 15. It's third and 15. Chiefs need some Mahomes magic. Launches down the middle, hill, open, caught, and they get it, Kansas City, the big play of 44 yards, pressured by Buckner, and Mahomes gets it downfield finally. Peter King wrote about this, and it's funny because when when I saw Peter's article, I thought about this because I remember when Kyle took over as offensive coordinator here in Houston, it it was one of my favorite plays. And it felt like Andre Johnson or even Owen Daniels got open on it all the time. And they would run sort of play action or boot. And they would start on one side and they would run like they're going to run that deep over route. You know how Will run that yeah, deep yeah. over route. But they would get about halfway and then, boom, Break they would it take it back the other yeah. way. And they would be wide open. And I remember seeing that play going, I love that play. Yeah. I love that. 
Well, that's the play. And Peter King's got a great article because he got Andy Reid not only to tell him what the play call was, but he got him to draw it up on oh the article. Gosh. And they call it 2-3 uh, ch- uh, Jet Chip Wasp. And he was like, Wasp? And he goes, yeah, put the stinger on him. And I was like, that's a great play. Well, that play is almost a direct descendant from the Shanahan family tree, basically, with that play, that yep. Kyle run. And they did it with Tyreek, and they just caught him in the right coverage and went back, and he makes the catch in that third 15. And I've said this. You said one thing that I always say about quarterbacks. If you have a quarterback that's mobile, if you can get him to run the ball, it just it opens up a lot of different things. First of all, you take a little bit. Of, I think if you take a hit, I think that helps. Right. Not, not a massive hit, but I just think you, if you, as a player, if you just take a hit. Really? I think it just kind of helps you, like, oh, all right, okay, I'm good, I'm good. I settled down. It's relaxing. Yeah, it's relaxing. It's but, soothing. But then you pick up a first down with it, you get another set of downs. Right. And so quarterback kind of settles in. He gets a little bit of confidence because he's made a play now, and now you settle in. And I think that's that's one thing about Deshaun. The other thing is, I think when a guy is really struggling, and it felt like Mahomes was really struggling, and especially guys like Deshaun and Pat that love to throw the deep ball, let him throw it. Let them air that sucker out because I think there's a lot. When you think about storing a deep ball, you're just like, oh, it's like maybe you don't grunt, but you just get all that energy. Oh, it's just, oh, it's out, yeah. and you kind of settle down. And it was like the after short he game makes is that more accurate, maybe right. After that. It's got it's got to be a little bit more fin- like finesse, and it's just different. But you get that kind of angst out of your body, just like and it was like from that throw. He hits that third and fifteen. Every throw for the rest of the night was just dime worthy was just yep. on point. He drops the one behind Sherman to Sammy, Sammy. Watkins. Yep. Second down and seven, Mahomes. Watkins, what a throw. Sammy Watkins out of bounds near the 11. He hits Kelsey in the end zone. 20-yard penalty, a first down, first and goal, pass open, touchdown, Kelsey. At that point, what I liked about him was he knew every type of throw to make. Did he have to just rip this one? Did he have to? Did he have to loft this one? Uh, was this one kind of in between? Which ones did he have to fire? Which ones could he float? You know those kind of things. It felt like after he just kind of let it all go with that third and fifteen throw to Hill, that he just got settled back in. It was like it centered him. And he's like, all right, I'm good. And after the game, Patrick talked about coming back in the playoffs, whether. It was actually in the playbook or not? No, it's definitely not. We just like to make it a little difficult, it seems like now. And But uh, I think the biggest thing is these guys around me, man, they, their belief, it's, it's amazing. Uh, on that sideline, down 10 in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, every single guy believed we were going to win. And so uh, to get that win, uh, I mean, that, that was amazing. You know what the kiss of death was? Niners not able to answer the touchdown. And Kyle Shanahan talked about his approach and that third down play. I mean, the way that it went, it was kind of the same mindset that it was all game. Um, Just when we got the ball and stuff, I mean, it wasn't, we weren't ever in four-minute mode the way it was, um, especially when they got within three there at the end. Um, You know, we were up ten, but, you know, I want to say that the lease was about with six minutes to go and, um, I mean, when Pat has that, he's going to get two possessions unless you convert first downs and thought we had a chance to and um, ended up missing that third down. Um, Just came up short. Look, you, oh, you had got to come up with something. Even a field goal. I know a field goal only gives you a chance to force them to have a touchdown to take the lead. But even that would have been nice. It would have eaten clock. Right. You would have put something up there. You would have kicked off. They need right. to. They need a touchdown. Maybe you're able to slow them down. Right. You go three and out right there. 
I mean, hello, yeah. Momentum City. The freight train has reversed course, and now they've got it. And it was it was fascinating the way the tables turned in the fourth quarter like that. The ni- if you're a Niner fan, you were so devastated today, although you're still celebrating five Super Bowl championships yeah. from a long time ago. Yes. But you're still bitter about the one in New Orleans oh, yeah. with Harbaugh versus Harbaugh because that was kind of a meltdown as well. And this one, not good in the fourth quarter. And look, we know what it feels like to lose a lead to the Kansas City Chiefs one of the great offenses we've ever seen. Mark and I will continue the discussion next, and we'll take a look back at my very first mock draft in 2017. What does that have to do with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson? I'll explain next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris alongside Mark Vandermeer. So my wife asked me, mm-hmm. as I, I, I won't say I was cheering for the Chiefs, really cheering for either one. But I did want Andy to get a, a win, and yep. I've always been a Mahomes guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the time that I saw him in that Texas Bowl, I just felt like that guy was going to come in and do some great things. I had actually mocked Patrick Mahomes. This was in February. I mocked Mahomes to the Bears at number three. So I went and I found that mock draft, Mark, and here's what I actually said. First of all, how about this? I had at number two Deshaun going to the 49ers. And this is what I said about that. I said, first-year coaches want and need to win right out of the shoot, and that doesn't happen often with a rookie quarterback at the helm. But Coach Kyle Shanahan stepped into and perhaps created a situation that shouldn't penalize him for not winning immediately. He can grow into the head coaching position at the same time as Watson grows into the leader of the 49ers. Essentially, they can grow the 49ers together. Watson's movement skills are a natural fit for Shanahan's offense. The scheme is complex and will take a while for Watson to master Assuming that Shanahan really doesn't have a ton of pressure to win right now, though, he can allow Watson some time to learn it. So that's why I said number two. Number three, I had Patrick Mahomes to the Chicago Bears. And then I said, oh, let's shake this entire draft up early on Thursday night. I went back and forth on the exact player to put in his spot, but it just has to be a quarterback given the Bears situation. Would it behoove the Bears to investigate other options? Jimmy Garoppolo, A.J. McCarron, Cy Barkley, Matt Barkley, or Brian Hoyer as a bridge to the rookie, I could see the Bears looking at two outstanding safeties in this spot if they procure a trusty veteran that could carry in the next couple of years. But that doesn't always work out. Now, Mahomes, that's out there. Way, way out there. Mostly because all anyone has mentioned this early, this mock draft was February 15, 2017. All anyone has mentioned is Deshaun Kaiser or Mitch Trubisky. Mahomes is an artist in the style of Ben Roethlisberger, one who can make any throw on a football field and carry Texas Tech in his three years as a starter. He gave Tech a chance in every game when it should have lost 10 games a year. Think Chicago fans wouldn't like to see a playmaker that is competitive as anyone in this draft class? So let's do it. Mahomes to the Bears. My editor wrote me and was like, you sure about this? And I was like, yep. He goes, you didn't? Like, you sure? Like, yes, I'm sure. There are a lot of Bears fans that wish you were right. So that headline, the headline was basically about Mahomes. And I just remember I'm driving... I'm driving to the stadium, uh, I'm driving back to the stadium from a meeting, and I'm listening to Lopez. Oh, my, I, he found this article. And because it was on Washington Post, he didn't realize it was me. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I texted him, and I said, look at the name. And he goes, oh, my God, that's you? And I was like, yeah. And so he was on with Cody Stutz at the time, and Stutz was a Texas Tech grad. So as they're reading this out loud, what I'm saying, they're kind of like, eh, you know, they're kind of coming around, I think maybe because they knew it was me, and they knew I was listening. But anyhow... I want, I've, I've wanted Pat to do well, but I wasn't really cheering for him. 
But then the flip side of me was like, like in 2016, and I had a little thing going with the Patriots, even though that was rough. We got beat by the Super Bowl champs. Yep. So there, there's kind of that part. But then you're, you're like, okay, does that mean that we're closer to winning a championship? That we're not. We beat the Super Bowl champs in week six. Right. So, like, how Where does that you? result yeah. make us feel? Look, I, I think everybody wanted, every Texans fan wanted to see the Chiefs win just to do what you just said. You know, you feel a little bit better about the situation. I was hoping they would win by 50, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really thought the Niners were going to win. I thought the Niners were going to find a way to win, and that's what I told everybody before the game. And in the fourth quarter, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe my pick is working out here, but yeah. clearly it wasn't. The, the Chiefs are that good and that explosive. So, to me, I think the Texans right now, look, it's very early in the offseason. You haven't drafted anybody, no free agent acquisitions, whatever you're going to do in the offseason. And you know Bill O'Brien's going to make moves, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I know we're going to talk a lot about this all offseason long. He will make moves. Get ready. It's going to happen. I yeah. mean, look what happened in, uh, in a weekend yeah. right before Not the start even, of the like season. in a day. <laughs> know, Not even. Hours. It was like a Saturday. It was like before his breakfast burrito came out, he'd already traded yeah. for Laramie Tunsil uh, and Kenny Stills. I think status quo in a lot of spots not going to be his thing, okay? Just yeah. a hunch acquisition-wise. So we'll see what he does. But the point is this. You're in the mix. You're in the mix with the Chiefs and the Titans and the Ravens and the whoever else. I think the – I think the Colts are going to be back if they yeah. can get the quarterback situation. That's a big. That's down. an if. That's, that's a, a big, big if. if. I mean, we have all offseason to talk about it, but I think what it says is you're in the mix. But the Chiefs are clearly the champs, and and they're the best ones right now. And you have to find a way to get to that level. So let's see if you can do it. Let's see how you do it. We'll all be waiting to watch. So you alluded to it in some sense. That was the news that came out last week. Bill O'Brien added GM title Jack Easterby, executive vice president of football operations. I know I've been asked about it on the numerous radio interviews that I've done, and I, you know, I did one on, on Sports Radio six ten. We talked about it, I think maybe the, the day before about the possibility of it happening, and then it came to fruition. I, I was a little surprised timing was like, whoa! I didn't, I wasn't just wasn't expecting it for some reason. Even though down at the the Senior Bowl, you talked to various people, there were a lot of different rumors that were kind of finding your way. Of course, when you're walking around Mobile and you got a Texans logo on. You know, people are after, hey, I heard you guys are trading <laughs> this guy for that. And the, like, eh, you don't believe anything. And then I did have somebody say, hey, I've heard that what ended up happening, Bill becoming the GM and Jack moving up, that that was going to happen. Well, I was wasn't like, that basically the case anyway? He has final say yeah. over everything, whatever you call it. Yeah. You know, you can, it's like casino. You could call him food and beverage manager. You know, if he has right. final say over personnel, you're basically the GM. You know, I, I read an article this week, and I think in the Chronicle, talking about, well, the only other team that has the – it's not true, is right. the Patriots. But the two teams that were playing last night, those coaches have final say yes. over everything. Not a move Absolutely. gets made without their approval. Shanahan right. and Reed, and then you can add Pete Carroll, you can add Peyton, you can add a bunch of other guys. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I, I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody to that news say something about, you know, consensus building. And, look, the one thing that I, I know people have, I don't want to say taken out of context, but when they see, you know, Bill as the head coach and the GM, they think, oh, he's the only one making the decision, or he's going on what he thinks <laughs> at all times. And you're right. The two guys you brought up, yes, they have GMs. There's a GM in, in John Lynch in San Francisco. There is a GM in Kansas City, Brett Veach. But 
ultimately the de- final decision is going to be Andy Reid's and Kyle Shanahan's, and just like it's going to be here with with Bill O'Brien. But they have those guys. But the Chiefs and 49ers situations, they're not the only ones. In Seattle, who makes the final call? Pete Carroll makes the final call on sure. everything. Absolutely. Sean Payton down in New Orleans makes the final call on everything. That's really kind of what we have in this situation. I think people get so wrapped up in titles. He, he's they still, get so wrapped up in titles. Oh, a GM is supposed to do this, and a head coach is supposed to do this. It's like, no, it's not like that in the NFL. The title doesn't always mean what it says. Just because it says head coach, underneath head coach, there are a lot of different uh, – The you don't see the roots of a tree, right? right? Well, the roots of a tree go a lot of different directions, and that's kind of what this is like. Just because it's one tree and another tree. Well, that's a tree and that's a tree. We get the roots going a lot of different directions for both those different trees. You used tree analogies. I did. Today, I tried it. after the Super Bowl. <laughs> I tried uh, the, it. The next time Bill is asked about it, he's just he's going to say something similar to what he's been saying. It's a team here. Right. We got a lot of good people. Got a lot of sub programs. Got a, got pe- different people in charge of different things. It's a consensus. He's going to say a bunch of stuff similar to what he's always been saying. It's just a name on the door or whatever. And look, it, it, it's always been him, and that's the way it's going to be. So. Yeah. And if anything is true, like I said, it's going to be a season, an off-season of changes, personnel, acquisitions. They're not happy with the way things ended. They're going to do everything they can to get further next time. Mark, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Super Bowl wasn't the only thing happening this weekend for you Houston Texans. DP City is going to stop by and discuss Saturday Night Live and a documentary called Cheer. All that next on Texans All Access. No! He sucks at football! You guys want Robbie to play in a playoff game? That is crazy. We're gonna lose! He sucks! Have you seen him in practice? That was J.J. Watt in an SNL skit called Robbie answering the question of whether Robbie should get his jersey or not. How about that? <laughs> the voice you hear is mine. I'm John Harris. The laughter you hear is from my good friend. That's me. DP Sidhu, DP. First of all, how you doing? I'm great, Johnny. What a fun weekend it was. I minus, know. minus the fact they're watching two different teams in the Super Bowl. <sighs> it was a great okay. game. Okay, I'm sure we're going to get to it, but I'm I'm kind of glad that we're now past the Super Bowl, and the year has officially begun for everybody. Okay, I I will be honest. So I'm assuming you'll be honest with me. Mm-hmm. That Super Bowl was hard. It was hard to watch, and I mentioned this with Mark earlier. Because it was in Miami, and maybe not just because it was in Miami, but because I felt like this team was uber-talented that could go and do something great. It just happened to run into a buzzsaw that was the Chiefs in the divisional round. But I kind of felt like win that game against Kansas City, you'll beat the Titans at home, you'd be in Miami. I just felt like this one stung a whole lot more than other divisional playoff losses. How did you feel? Uh, you know, I was... I was actually, Am I wrong to be feeling that I, way? I felt worse during the AFC Championship game. Ah, that was yeah. a very hard game for me to yeah. watch, and I didn't really watch it right. with the same intensity that I would watch another playoff game or the NFC game, for that matter. Yeah. This game was okay, and I actually felt a little better afterwards seeing the Chiefs come from behind and play the way that they did against the 49ers yeah. because this was the team that did this to the Texans. Right. You feel like, you know what, this was a really, really talented team, and I think everything you say is correct, but... 
that one little asterisk you know, uh, that you know you have to knock off the Chiefs is yeah. a really big one. Right, and after course. seeing that, <laughs> you're exactly right. Patrick Mahomes turning it on the way that he did. I mean, they struggled early, but the fact that you know Andy Reid just stayed, stuck with it, was calm. The defense turned it up. Mahomes turned it up. They started making their plays. I mean, that's that's essentially what happened against the Texans. Maybe just it felt so much worse because it was the Texans. The yeah. lead was so much bigger, but. I felt a little bit better seeing that, you know, this was a really talented team that you it lost was. to. It, it was, was a really talented team. And the fact that the Chiefs did win it, I, didn't I don't want, know if it I made didn't me... want them to win, though. I'm really? Gonna, I, 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 won't, I, I don't know. I was, I was still a little bitter, and I <laughs> was rooting for the 49ers. I'm not going to lie, but I, I was a 49ers fan as a kid. Oh, so well, that, that I felt like explains things. Okay. It, it's right. a completely different team than the Joe Montana years, but um, I, I was okay with the Super Bowl. I, it was a fun game. It was entertaining, which... I think is a win for everyone that doesn't have a team in the game. Sort of like when the Texans lost the Patriots in the divisional playoffs uh, in the 16th season. I-, I did want the Patriots to win that. I do think there's something to be said for, well, you know, we did lose the Super Bowl champs. And, oh, by the way, we did beat the Super Bowl we champs. We did. We did. In fact, we beat both the AFC Championship combatants. I think that's probably why it stung that much because mm-hmm. you're like, man, what do we have to do? How do we have to, what do we have to do to get to that game? Well, here are the two teams that are playing in your conference championship game. Well, we beat those two teams. But that's well, but see, I look at it as glass. Right I, I see it as glass half full. You were able to beat them. Well, no, I, I'm not saying I'm being but negative I, about that. No, no, but. no. I'm not saying you are either. But I'm just saying you can look at it either way. Like, man, we got we were able to beat those teams. Like, if we would have just beaten those teams, we would have made it. But then I right. look at it like you can make it to that right, game. Right, right. Absolutely. You have and all that was the kind of that was kind of why seeing the Chiefs win, I was like, okay, yeah, there's some work to do. But, yeah, moved closer to the goal. Now it's time to go and hit that goal. That's what we're here for. Okay, I didn't ask Mark this. I don't know why. I just completely spaced on it. I guess we were just running out of time. What was your favorite commercial? Did you have one? Yeah, I had several. I, I, I actually watched the commercials this year because usually we have a Super Bowl party. Yeah. And this year the party was just us and the kids. And oh, we, that's awesome. We, I let them make the menu, and we made all their favorite foods. Oh, that's we just, great. We just picked out. Paige and I did the same thing. One kid went upstairs to bed, <laughs> and my daughter went and watched it uh, with her friends. So it was literally it was just this the two of us. We had every TV in the house on the Super Bowl so that you could you wouldn't have to move from room to room <laughs> without missing a commercial, without yeah, missing course. part of the game. And so my I, I loved the Cheetos, MC Hammer, Can't Touch This. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very nostalgic. The, yeah. I, w- I was like, how has nobody come up with this concept before? Yeah, I thought good. that was great. Um, I loved the Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, what did people do before Alexa? Uh-huh. That whole storyline was just yeah. was just fantastic. I had one more that I really liked. Oh, of course, the Tom Brady Hulu Masterful job at trolling. Oh my Masterful. gosh! That Masterful. was at a, that troll level. There, there, there's you know fans good, must hear it from excellent, me. <laughs> all time, like that's in the hall of fame of trolling right there. I mean, the picture he puts out first of all, you can't tell whether he's coming or going. Yes, and so you're like, what? What does this mean? He's got everybody talking about it. So we were talking about it on Cooler Talk last week, and afterwards, Tyler Marcotte and I. Tyler Marcotte said, well, you can see from the way his knee has been. I mean, this is the level I, of examination yeah. that we have done on this picture. It was insane. So I happened to be I happened to be in a car. I had gone to – because we were the same thing. What we like to do for the Super Bowl is we all make – or my wife and I make different things. And so I was in charge of the homemade potato chips. Oh, I also and, like the Facebook rocks, the uh, whatever you want to rock. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which it was like rock climbers. and Yeah, and then it turned out Rocky was part of it or something like that. Oh, yeah, at the was, very end, Rocky It was all was, the different rock montages, yeah. like rock collectors and rock climbers. And then it was Chris Rock and yeah. then Rocky Balboa. I happened to be in a car 
as I was going to Kroger. And, and Tom Brady always does an interview on Westwood One Radio for Sunday Night Football. and uh, uh, Sunday night or maybe, maybe Monday. It's one of the two. But I always hear it driving home after doing radio on a Monday night. And I always hear it, and it's Tom with Jim Gray. And so it was Westwood One, so he did the interview again. And so Jim Gray asked him about it. He goes, when I come back for halftime, you'll know what that was all about. So at that point, I was like, okay, there's probably a commercial this has that, that Tom's mm, talking about. So, mm-hmm. okay, let's see. So then they show it. And I was like, oh, Paige, here it is, here it is. And then it's Hulu doesn't have just live sports. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he got every so single, good. Every single so good. one of us. And then he wasn't done because he says, and I'll be back. I loved it. And it's like, okay, but you'll be back where? Oh, there's more to this. To you know, be so, continued. Yeah. I thought I just. My I, favorite. Perfect. My favorite was the Jeep commercial. The Groundhog Day Jeep commercial with Bill Murray. Where, oh, I missed this. Okay. So Bill Murray's in the movie Groundhog Day. Yes. And I so love that movie. it starts him going through Groundhog Day and then he sees a Jeep. And he goes over and he runs in the Jeep. He goes and steals the Groundhog, Phil. And then he takes Phil with him. And then they do the gra- the Groundhog Day thing. And so each time he's getting was, out of bed, it was he's remembering Day. that he gets to go in the Jeep. So he's getting more and more excited. And they're doing all these things. It's brilliant. Oh. It is so brilliant because it was it Groundhog, was Groundhog Day. Day. So it was so brilliant, the timing of it and, and everything. Uh, it, was, it was so very good. I mean, the, the, the television this weekend, which leads us to this point, that we had a Houston Texan on Saturday Night Live. Yes, we did. J.J. Watt, what do you think? When you saw it, so I know everybody. Out I there was saw it. I was super ex- I was so excited to see him on there, and I I loved the week leading up to it. Him on yeah. Fallon, him on the Today Show. I thought you know he was really funny. I was surprised at the number of skits he was in because usually when you have a, a guest host, yeah, they're in one skit, then you skip like two skits, and then right. another. He, it seemed like every skit that he had prepared for made it into that final cut. Yeah, uh, I. I thought there were some were funnier than others. I thought the yeah. Robbie was hilarious. I, I love Robbie. Was I love the Bachelor. Yeah, I know his acting wasn't <laughs> like he didn't really didn't have to act a lot. Right. I loved Brole. I thought Brole should Brolet be a was thing. A, was brilliant. Like reduces under eye puffiness and fine lines while you're facing an offensive line. <laughs> I was like, that how was is this so not a tagline for Olay? Oh. They should totally market this in a black jar because that's how they market products for men. It's <laughs> like skincare that was products. so good. They should put this on the market. There, I wanted, I almost wanted to see an Olay Brole commercial on Sunday. So there were some that I thought were, um, they, it was a little risque for JJ. I thought some of the skits yeah. were a little bit not his brand. I thought the EA Sports. Uh, was was kind of funny the picture yeah. the picture of him the rendition of him at the end <laughs> yeah. with the belly button piercing and he's like guys I mean it just seemed so natural yeah I, I, he, I, he's he's really natural I I feel like I, I feel like it was a good episode I feel like the the writing could have been a little bit better for him in certain things mm-hmm. so no people were like oh he wasn't that good well you have to delineate between His him not being that good and, and the, the writing the writing yes, I agree. a lot of people were upset about the first the the opening. Skit, which he was not in, and it was it was kind of all over the place, which I sort of agree with. I thought his monologue, as I'm listening to his monologue, what I thought was interesting is a lot of times when they have athletes or they have people that aren't always in the you know movie TV realm, they always have someone. They always have like Kate McKinnon come in or Keenan Thompson come in or somebody yeah, comes in and they kind of do them. something mm-hmm. a little different. And they didn't. He just did a straight up monologue, like he was you know stand up comedian or something. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. But Robbie had me I, – I was rolling on the floor. <laughs> I was like, that's that was pretty funny. I love it when, when football players 
our football players in skits. Like it reminds me of the Peyton Manning, the Boys and Girls Club, <laughs> where he's nailing those little kids with the football. Oh, and it's so not off brand for him, but yet it's still football. Like I, I think that's just so funny. So I'm glad they did that on Friday night. On Friday night, I think it was Friday night. I got caught in this YouTube palooza, and we, my my daughter, my son and daughter had not seen. Oh, we anticipated. I know what it was. We, I had joked to my wife. I said, you know, given how much JJ loves the documentary Cheer, yes. that it would be awesome if they reprised one of the great SNL skits, which was Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry. Oh, yes. And they did the cheerleaders. <laughs> and so my daughter was like, she had never seen them. So we pulled them up for her we, oh, on so YouTube. Good. We showed her those, and she was dying laughing. Dying laughing. It's so good. And so on YouTube, they obviously have a little different links. And so... They had a link to the Peyton Manning United Way spot from Saturday Night <laughs> <Yeah>. Live. Pegs <laughs> again in the back of the head. And my son lost it. Absolutely <laughs> just tears in his eye lost it. And I, I was dying. I was just seeing his reaction. I mean, it was absolutely hilarious. So then the next one was Eli Manning and, uh, when he did it. And it was called Little Brother. And it was it was kind of a spoof on the the uh, United Way ad. It was so. I gotta go back. Funny. I gotta go back and watch the Eli ones. I, I was dying. I, laughing. I I don't remember them as much. I remember Tom Brady a little bit. Yeah. I remember Peyton's the most because I just felt like his were just so funny. That United Way ad is so hilarious. There was but, one where he was dancing in the locker room at a halftime of a game to get the team pumped up. Yeah, and he just yeah. Had yeah. This crazy dance. And I think what will you know the the. The United Way ad yeah. for Peyton, the Little Brothers ad that Eli did, and then this Broly ad. <laughs> the bro- when he says the three things that are in there, I'm trying to remember. It was like gasoline. The last one was <laughs> matcha powder or something. I was like, he's like, what's in this? And he just like, gasoline, something, matcha powder. Matcha powder. And the guy's like, what's matcha powder? And I was like. That that was it was I thought he did a really good job. By the way, JJ was on the Today Show. I wrote a story about it on HoustonTexans.com. I also have a story up on just the weekend of events with the honors and and JJ's SNL and a lot of things were happening with Texas players, um, just sort of all over the country. That's up on HoustonTexans.com. But JJ. Uh, talking about cheer on the Today Show, oh. seeing those kids and and Coach Monica's reaction. You finally saw it, didn't you? I, w- I was like, I'm just I'm just gonna start this on Friday night. My husband was gone with the boys. Um, they went to see Rock the Rockets game, so I was like, I'm, I'm just gonna start watching this, Johnny. I went into a four hour wormhole, and then Saturday I had to finish it. Like yeah. I just kept doing one thing. I'm like, all right, let me watch a little bit more, and then okay, the kids need lunch. All right, now I'm gonna watch a little bit more. And I watched all six hours in less than 24 hours, which I haven't done that in a really. I haven't yep. binged on Netflix that hard in a long time. But everyone out there, you got to watch it. And then my son came in and, and started watching like around episode five. Yeah. And he's like, "This is just like Last Chance You. This is just like Last Chance You." Well, and even predicted like he's like, "I bet one cheerleader is going to do this, <laughs> one's going to do this, and something's." And I mean, and he was dead on. Well, the but guy it was still that, well done. The guy that directed and produced it. Produced Same last chance you. Right. That's what caught my attention because I saw it pop up on my Netflix. And I'm like, okay. And then I saw that it was it was uh, directed and produced by Greg Whiteley. And I was like, that's last chance you. Okay, I'm watching this. 
Now I want to go watch Last Chance U. I don't watch Last Chance U because it usually, I just feel like, oh, it's a lot of football. Like sometimes when I get on Netflix, I just want to watch something completely different. But it makes me want to watch Last Chance U because now I kind of see what the format is and how they're doing. You will, oh my gosh, Ronald Ollie, you will love. You you got to go see it. Anybody that's watched Last Chance U knows all about Ronald Ollie. There were two seasons at one school and then the third two seasons at another school. When you get to those seasons, oh my God. Well, I've heard you talk about some of the players when you're doing your, your draft report. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like the, oh, this, this kid was from Last yeah. Chance U. So it did resonate with me that you were a big fan of the show. Yeah, and but there's so it's many, there's very a- similar to Cheer in that, in that regard. Like a lot of stories. The stories. the stories that these kids tell. It's like, oh, my, oh my God. I mean, there's a, there's a scene in Cheer at near the very end where I – I lost it. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I mean, literally, like, the three of us. So I watched it. I watched the first three episodes, and I was like, hey. I told my wife and my daughter, I said, y'all might want to watch this. This is pretty darn good. So they started watching it. They watched the first episode with me, and they got hooked. So I watched all the way through ahead just because I couldn't wait for them. And then I was like, well, I'll go back and watch the rest. So I watched the last three episodes with them. We're watching. I've already seen the ending. <laughs> I've already seen the ending. And I'm watching the, the final uh, the final 15, yeah. 10 to 15 minutes with them, and the three of us are just boohooing, and nobody's looking at each other because we're all like, <laughs> we're all like wiping tears out of our eyes. And you know what? The <laughs> ending, like if if they make oh. a mo- if they make a movie based on these kids, if they were to make the movie and not tell me, I would have been like, this is fake. Yeah. Nothing ever ends like no. this. It was just so dramatic. Even yeah. the season finale was just really, really dramatic, and I just felt so anxious and stressed. It's it's really well done, but then uh, you know, I JJ had been tweeting about it for a right, while. Right, That like this show, like you don't have to like cheer, but you will lose your mind over it. And then yeah, he was right. But I've heard, even in the office, people are talking about cheer. So I, I just had a little bit of FOMO. I felt like I should go watch it, and yeah. I did, and I recommend it. So DP, you weren't alone when it came to people that watched cheer. In fact, cheer has a lot of fans, including one very big fan, figuratively. And literally, take a listen to what happened when Monica Aldama, the coach of Navarro Junior College cheer program, and three of her cheerleaders were on the Today Show, and a certain Houston Texan showed up. There was one tweet that you were like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding. Well, well, when Chrissy Teigen was the yeah. first, yes. and, I, and we were, we did not expect this, so we yeah. were just blown away. We're like, oh my God, Chrissy Teigen yes. tweeted yeah. about it. Who yes. else? <laughs> and then it was Reese Witherspoon and J.J. Watt. Oh, yeah. Oh, J.J. Watt, who's like a Texas royalty. I know. He's you know what? Good. He's here. Oh. J.J. Of course, J.J. then stepped on the show with the Four members, three members, and coach from the Varro Junior Cheer Team. And he spoke to why this documentary has been such a big hit for him, me, DP, and many others. It's unbelievable. It's so much fun to watch. It was inspiring. I think that's, as the season went on, that's what it was for me. It was an inspiration because I saw how hard you work. I saw how much time you put in. You had a goal. (laughs) You set a goal. And you just put in the work, and it didn't matter what got in your way. And the positivity and the reinforcement and just the enthusiasm, it was so beautiful to watch. So as a recommendation, go watch it. It's pretty darn good. If you watch Last Chance U, which is the basic is the football side of things, you'll obviously enjoy Cheer. It's very, very good, uh, and J.J. loves it. So if J.J. loves it, then maybe you should love it as well. Hey, big thanks to Mark for stopping by, for DP for being here, to all of you for listening. We are back. 
and hopefully we will always be better than ever. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and as always, go Texans.